2: Welcome to the Runswell World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're talking about how to run your best half marathon with running coach Lloyd Kempson. He's got some great tips. He's actually got some amazing tips. I, I learned loads, I have to say. Yeah,
3: me too. <laughs> I mean, I feel... Way more educated. Ability-wise, we'll we see what happens, but I certainly feel more mentally yeah. aware now of what what needs to get done.
2: Well, that's it, isn't it? Because we've got the big half, Ben, in September, so we needed to talk to Lloyd, but hopefully it's going to be of interest to other people listening as well. Oh, yeah. Wait, so what we've done is we've selfishly
3: taken our own race agendas <laughs> and formatted the podcast around yeah. it, but... It's not Lloyd talking about how me and Rick should run it. It's Lloyd talking about how everyone should approach a half marathon in many, many different ways. So it's it's, it's a it's a great
2: chat. Yeah. And I think when we do our sort of extensive research at Run As well, as we often do, I, I think that I'm right in thinking that the, the most popular distances that come back are always the half marathon and the 10K and then yeah. and then the marathon. So it's obviously like it's a sort of sweet spot for people, isn't it? Because as lloyd alludes to it doesn't necessarily have to take over your life there's lots of ways to slice and dice it in a way that possibly yeah. there isn't with the marathon training um, no. and uh, yeah and, and also if you're if you're kind of coming to this not as a complete beginner you know you're looking at you could do it in eight weeks so a couple of months away from a, from a really good half marathon that all those things make it quite an appealing distance i think it's the time thing, the time thing for me, Rick. Not having to do like those huge, like big, loaded
3: runs at the weekends and stuff like that. That's why I think it's a it's a good distance. But yeah, some good stuff coming up. Um, how how how's life, Rick? How's your running going since uh, the arrival of of Mini Pearson number two?
2: Yeah, father of two now. Um, there's been a little bit of running, so I'm you know I'm doing like what a lot of parents do, I guess, is just fitting it round um, any little window I can get. So for me, it's kind of tends to be in the morning after um nursery drop off is i get a little chance to to run around uh the park which is great and it's a hilly park and it's, it's kind of 5k loop so it's kind of uh yeah I, I can i can sneak it in and i'm trying to sneak you get quite a lot of bang for your buck quite a lot of bang for your buck and, and i'm trying to do things like um just sprinkle little bits of speed i mean lloyd talks about this um and i'm off the back of what he talks about i'm going to put in a, another session that um sort of more half marathon sp- specific but at the minute i'm just throwing in like, like a lot of our previous guests talked about like so just some hill sprints and how hill, hill sprints kind of replicate speed without it being necessarily a particularly hard session particularly if, if the hills are kind of about eight seconds long so I just throw that in on an easy run it doesn't seem to sort of it's not like oh i've just done a tough session there but i guess i'm trying to keep in touch with a little bit of speed that way but no all good mate how, how about you
3: yeah, all right. I mean, um, strength and conditioning has been the focus just to get myself feeling not uh, a bit more repaired, a bit more sort of a bit stronger, a bit more stable. Before I start, um really trying to run further and faster than I have done for a long old while, I would say, really, in a sort of like in a concerted effort. So, yeah, I'm just um, cracking on with the swinging a kettlebell around in the garden back on the skipping. Uh, so yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all go, mate. I mean, it's, I had a, I had a terrifying conversation with, um, our colleagues in the office and it was about, they were talking about the pace of running. We, we, we were sort of roughly where well, you're definitely aiming for sub for 90 minutes, aren't you? And then I should probably do the same. And someone reminded me actually what that pace is, which is realistically like six 50, 50. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Like, oh, blimey. That's. That was a stark reminder of what we've got to do.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think probably I'm right in saying this: like race pace at the start, particularly for for things that like kind of half marathon and less, it should be a little bit scary. Yeah. Because if it feels if you just felt good off the bat, it's probably not the pace that you should be aiming for. Do you know what I mean it should feel kind of ambitious? Yeah, so yeah. I mean, if that's what I if, that's you wanna, if you want to challenge yourself, then
3: definitely it needs to have that sort of that sort of uh, moment of going. This is
2: not undoable but also yeah mildly intimidating <laughs> yeah mildly, mildly intimidating that's exactly it set mildly intimidating goals that's our <laughs> that's the message here anyway i think i mean lloyd's got some amazing stuff to talk to about about half so i reckon we should just we should get him on get the expert on and hopefully offer people some insights on how to they can run their best 13.12 yeah it's perfect let's do that guest of the week Well, welcome to the Runners World podcast, Lloyd Kempson. You've been on before a few years ago, um, but it's great to have you back. So, thanks very much for uh, making the time to speak with us.
4: Well, thanks for having us, guys. It's been—was what, what it two, three, three years maybe since I spoke to you guys?
3: Yeah, it was. Um, it was before the marathon, before London Marathon. Yeah, me and
4: Leon, you and Leo. Leon uh, Cerrone, Yeah, core. Cool. Hi, yeah. class.
2: Well, it's it's a funny one with this because um, Ben and I have got a bit of skin in the game here, Lloyd. Because we're we're both kind of um, we want to talk to you about half marathon training a little bit for our, for for, <laughs> for our own knowledge, just trying to get some tips off you before we have a go at the big half in um, September. So uh, yeah, yeah, we've got an, we've got an agenda. I, I am 100 percent starting at a very base level. But anyway,
3: <laughs> let's get we'll get into that. But um, I think let's let's talk about your running, Lloyd, before we get into all of that. Um, how did you get into running? Where are you at with running, all those sorts of things?
4: I uh, started running oh, 20, 20 years ago in August. So I've been doing it, yeah, just coming up to, yeah, 20 years. Time flies again, you know. It's, um, <laughs> I was seven or eight years old when I first stepped uh, stepped on a running track. And not a lot has changed over that time. Like I'm still doing the same sort of things that I was doing then as a kid, just running around, chasing people that are faster than me. Um <laughs> And the mindset is similar in a way, thinking that I can still be an Olympian. But as you get older, <laughs> as you know, lads, you know, things start creaking, other things come into our lives. <laughs> the pub starts calling on a Friday night and, you know, but, but yeah, like, I, I mean, I've been running all my life. It's, it's all I've ever done, really. And, and when I suppose it's similar to other hobbies, if you like, or passions. But when you invest all of your energy into one thing, it's kind of like, I, I always say it to people like I, I don't I'm terrible at everything but running is the one thing that I'm probably less terrible at so, like <laughs> if you give me a tennis racket I, I'm probably not going to excel at that or if you tell me to write a poem I'm probably going to be terrible at that as well but with running I just find that I'm less terrible at that and, and I just I just stuck with it
3: <laughs> was it um when you were seven then when you were tight was that just a sort of like cross-country or school athletics or like that sort of stuff
4: yeah so it started out with cross-country because um just the, the time of year that I started but I kept bugging my PE teacher at primary school to uh, create a cross-country club um eventually they gave in and we started this lunchtime club and I think about three people turned up including me <laughs> um yeah. so yeah it just started just running around football pitches really um and then my sister was already at an athletics club. She's a few years, a few years older than me. So I headed down to my local club. And, and that is one of the things that has changed in the sport in the UK. The, the club system's changed a whole whole lot because yeah. in them days, yeah, I was eight years old. There wasn't really anyone around that age group there. The youngest may have been 13, 14. So mm. it wasn't like a kid's club or anything like that, whereas clubs now have got dedicated sort of coaches and groups that are set up for kids that age, because there are so many youngsters now doing track and field and running. So in them days it was just, yeah, turn up to the club, chase the older guys. And, and, and I did that for literally five or six years until I was probably good enough to keep up or old enough to keep up. And then once you're able to keep up, it sort of opens a few more doors to other races and stuff like that. And but it was a good time. Yeah. Like I, I always had my mom and dad coming with me to watch races and stuff. And that was always good fun. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world.
3: So, um, half marathons. What's your uh, what's your opinion on them? What's your feeling with them? Do you enjoy them? Do you not like them?
4: I do like the half. I think I like the half probably. I, I like it way more than a ten k. I really dislike ten k's, um, and i i'd probably like them a little bit less than a marathon because a marathon's like wow, what an achievement. Um, but I think the good thing about the half when I'm coaching an athlete for it or I'm training for one myself is that they are i feel they're quite achievable but they're quite achievable um by doing a lot of elements that you may have already done as a runner if you were training for a five or a 10k say um, so the sort of non-negotiable training elements are the same it's just a few tweaks um, so nothing dramatically trained changes for example if you were stepping up to an ultra it would change quite a lot whereas if you're stepping up to a half marathon um like I say the principles are the same we just have to kind of change our mindset and change a few a few ways that we go about things but I think they're, they're great they're a great race for people to do and I think that we, li- we live in a world now that it's really fashionable to go and smash a marathon before you even try 5k um and I'm really in the camp of I'm really old school I like to go that pathway of okay let's do a 5k first nail the 5k and then we'll work to our 10 and then we'll do our half and I, yeah, and I think yeah. if you do it that way you can kind of long out your running life a little bit whereas if you go and do marathon straight away it's like oh right well i've got to either go up <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah. go around 100k it's crazy, yeah. or i've got to go down but yeah. now i feel really slow because i've done all this marathon training so i'm a fan big fan And
2: um, when you talk about the kind of the fundamental elements that make up half marathon training for you what what are those the kind of non-negotiable aspects of uh, of putting together a half marathon training plan
4: The answer to this, I would say, as I I said earlier, is similar to any long-distance event. These are my non-negotiables. The first one, you've got to work backwards from your race date. So say that's – if listeners are listening now and you can run 5K, you should be able to run a half marathon in about eight weeks if you can run a 5K, if you can't then obviously you're going to need a bit, a little bit longer. The ideal sort of time frame for me that I would say that I would like to coach an athlete is, is around 12 to 14 weeks. That's a good amount of time that's going to give you some flexibility for any illness, any days on the plan that you couldn't, couldn't hit or any niggles and things like that. But working back from the end date is really important because that's when you can start creating your roadmap. So say, you know, you're doing a big half in September. Well, you may think, OK, well, I've got a, I've got a wedding on this weekend, so I definitely can't do my long run on that day. So I'm, I know I can't train that day. So I need to work back and think, well, where's my longer run going to be? Or there may be some family commitments one weekend or a specific race that you want to go and try, maybe a five or 10K. And start putting all these pieces of the puzzle by working backwards rather than working forwards what that's also doing is you're putting yourself into a mindset that you are going to smash this goal because I'm already working back from it. So I've already, I've already achieved it in my own head and I'm just putting the pieces of the puzzle in that way. So that's my first thing. It's like work back from your race date, and you, once you do that and put it down on pen and paper or online, you'll start to see trends in, Oh, I run this type of run on this day generally most weeks, or I rest on a Friday most weeks. Um, and all of a sudden you're building, you're building your roadmap, you're building your plan. Um, the next point would be to, with that, to incorporate two things, strength and conditioning and recovery days or recovery based sex sessions. Um, I don't really use the term rest day. I prefer recovery day because yes, you may be resting, but you still may go for a walk. You still may cross train, you may go for a swim, whatever it may be. That day is for recovery. Um, and I'm really passionate about recovery because, from my own mistakes of getting injured and and just having setbacks when I have a recovery day now I look at it as my best training day and I try and describe it as try and make it your best training day and if you can do that you'll find that you will work to recover better the ways to recover better are endless you know could be um, you do five minutes of mobility in the morning before you head off to work, you could try and say to the, your partner, right, we're going to get 30 minutes more sleep on this day because it's my recovery day. However you go about it, nail nail that day so it becomes your best training day. Um, and then I mentioned strength and conditioning. We'll chat about that in a second when I go on to my top tips, but strength and conditioning, I, my way of describing that, that is our infrastructure that is going to enable us to... Do the training that we need to do to hit our goal, but also enable us to recover better. If we are more conditioned, we will recover faster and our way of recovery will be better.
3: One of the most interesting bits about the half marathon distance is that it really strikes that balance between out and out kind of speed and like endurance because you kind of, you know, you're crossing over into that longer distance stuff, but you're still trying to go as fast as possible and it's not quite the the endurance element that the marathon's got. How do you sort of build up an athlete to that striking that balance between being far, as fast as possible but and holding on for those thirteen point one miles?
4: Yeah, I think there needs to be a sort of a discussion around what we mean by speed, because I hear the word ter- I hear the term speed work all the time. And I'm thinking, well, are you really doing speed work, or are you doing a lactate threshold session, or are you doing um, a half ma- a half marathon race pace session? Because if you are. I probably wouldn't call that speed work compared to someone that's running for the mile. That's speed. What we, you know, realistically, if you're doing the half marathon, however, you know, even if you're silly fast and you're running 70 minutes, you're still out there for an hour and 10 minutes, or if you're running an hour and a half or two hours, do you need any speed for that? You need to be a, an efficient runner for two hours, for 90 minutes. What do we mean by efficient? Well, You need to use your energy accordingly over that length of time. You need to use as much energy as possible for that amount of time. This brings me on to my first tip, to respect the distance. And I mean that both ways, whether you're stepping up from a shorter distance event or you're coming down from an ultra or a marathon. If you're stepping up from a 5 or a 10k, you're going to be running at least double the distance for a half. So you need to respect the fact that you need to create an engine that's going to enable you to work at that level of intensity for however long it's going to take you for the half. On the other side of the coin, if you're stepping down from a longer distance, you need to realize that, well, you need to move faster for a shorter amount of time and you can't just bank on being strong and being um, having a really good uh, level of stamina that's going to get me to the end because you might find that you haven't got there fast enough. So that question is a really good one because you do need to find that balance in your training that's gonna enable you to train the right energy systems, incorporate enough recovery, and get you to the start um, start line conditioned enough to be able to run fast enough for that amount of time. I'd say the sweet spot is a place where you can stand on that start line, confident that you can run the distance, that's really important, And depending on what level you're at during your training is gonna mean that in training you should be running the race distance at some point, if not further depending on what level of athlete you are. So you should be able to stand on that start line and be confident to say, I can run 13.1 miles or 21K. I can do that. Then if you're able to during your training, standing on the start line and being able to say, not only can I run 13 miles, but I've done considerable amounts of work at my race pace and faster during training. And that can look different ways, whether it's interval sessions, tempo threshold runs, whatever it may be. chat about that in a little while. But, Those two things, if you can say those things on the start line and to be able to say those things, you should be conditioned because if you can say, I can run 13 miles today," well, realistically, you should be conditioned enough to do that. And the second thing is, I can actually run at race pace or faster, meaning that you've done the work in training. If you can get your training so that you can stand on the start line and say those two things, you should be doing the right things, I think.
2: You you mentioned before um, strength and conditioning, and I think that's that's great that it's one of – one of the kind of pillars that you train by It is a confusing subject area though, because I think that some people get put off by the idea that they've got to do loads of it or that they need you know, particular equipment to do it. What, what can you, what can you tell people Lord, who don't have loads of time, perhaps don't even have a, a gym membership? What kind of strength and conditioning can, can everyone do when it comes to half marathon training to actually help them uh, deal with the training load and perform better on race day?
4: Okay. So the first thing is, is if you're not doing any, anything's better than nothing so a lot of runners just aren't doing anything they will have a plan in place for their snc they'll have everything on youtube and all of that but they just won't get around to it it's the first thing we sack off as runners because it's the thing that's well it's not running is it and we're as runners we you know you run more you get better don't you well not not all the time so speaking from experience of being that runner that used to run loads and run more to be better which can happen over a time if you can um not get not get injured and, and not break down, but chances are you are going to break down you are going to get injured, which is then going to keep you off running for longer. But my advice is that no, you don't necessarily need equipment. You can. There's loads of exercises that you could just use your own body. You know, we we are gifted with limbs that we can use. You know, we can use our body weight. There are different types of strength training that don't require equipment, whether it's yoga or Pilates um, or hit sessions and things like that. But my Piece of advice around SNC is that look at look at it from an investment perspective. LeBron James invests a million dollars a year into his body, and that includes SNC and recovery. Now I'm not telling everyone to go out there and spend a meal, but what I'm saying is if you go onto the um, Gumtree or, or, or Amazon and spend 10, 20 pounds on one kettlebell, one set of dumbbells, and maybe a TheraBand, all of a sudden you've got enough equipment there, right there, from 10, 15, 20 quid to create a workout that is specific to the the event you're training for specific to the equipment you've got the last bit we now need to do is make it specific to the time you've got available this one's really important it's all well and good saying right i've got half an hour spare twice a week but that's useless like that's not going to do anything let's actually structure this into our week so when we write out our running sessions for the week and our rest days put in That 30 minutes of work that you're going to do so that when you get home from work, you know, before I start dinner, I know I've got to quickly smash out 30 minutes workout or 40 minutes workout, however long that session takes you. That needs to keep you accountable. Um, So in terms of what to do in the gym, it has to be specific to the event you're doing. So, again, we talk about being conditioned enough to be able to run for 70, 80, 90, two hours. We need to be doing sessions that are going to condition our body to be able to do that. The only way of doing that is exposing yourself to weaknesses. So for example, if you are running and you feel like your glutes turn off after 10 kilometers, well, that's clearly a weakness. So you need to be able to ensure that your glutes are firing for 13 miles. What do we do? Go on to YouTube and find a workout that specifically targets the glute need or the or the hips or the lower back. Like it really is a jungle that you can get that you can explore in and Find, find the workout that is specific to you. This is where it's different to, to running sessions. Running sessions, we're inundated with workouts from yesteryear, 40 years gone by of sessions that we know work scientifically. Strength and conditioning, we have principles that do work. but You can really play around with it and find exercises that, one, work for your weaknesses, but two, you also enjoy. It's got to be enjoyable. You know We don't just want to be sitting there and doing 5,000 crunches. We want to be doing exercises that expose our weaknesses, but also good fun. So make it fun and make it, um, make it achievable. Um, and the last point on strength condition, conditioning, and this is something that, that my girlfriend's an SNC coach, she hammers me for this. She says, if you get to the end of the training day, and you have um, maybe, f- f- for me, for example, I may have 30 minutes on the cross trainer to do, and then a strength and conditioning session of 45 minutes. Now, at the end of the day, we're all knackered. We all just want to go and sit on the sofa. And if I'm in a place where I'm considering not doing one of those, don't do the cross-training. Straight away. I won't do the cross-training. I won't do the aerobic activity because the chances are, as runners, we're doing a lot of that already. And I would rather I would rather neglect the energy system that I've been working for 20 years and focus in on the strength and condition in the area of training that I probably haven't honed in on as much and the area of training that is going to make me that resilient runner for the half marathon.
1: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: That's good. That's a good tip, I think. because, Like I say, it can be a matter of time and feeling like how am I going to make all these pieces of the puzzle come together so to have a kind of priori- prioritizing s and I think is a good message for runners because it's not something that we naturally do well you, uh,
4: let's use you two as an example you're both training for the half in September yeah you both know you need to nail your S&C and you're probably both for sitting there thinking oh, do you know what I hate S&C or it's the first thing I'm going to sack off here's what I would do if I was you two once a, week, feel very seen. once a week, you two are going to meet up on Zoom and you're going to do a 30-minute S&C session together.
3: Oh, Rick, here we go. Now, yes.
4: now you're accountable because you know your mate's turning up. You, and if you leave him hanging, he's going to have the ump with you. So that makes it more enjoyable. It's a laugh. You know what I mean? Initially, it's a little bit awkward and a bit of fun, but you're both nailing it and it's just 30 minutes. It's just 30 minutes. And you might find, you might go, oh, Rick, do you know what? We can do this twice a week. It is twice a week let's get samsa involved let's make it fun let's make it social whilst at the same time hitting the training training elements we need to hit
3: well there's a podcast everyone needs to hear
4: <laughs> i'd watch that <laughs> me, and,
3: me and rick yeah. grunting away yeah. as we just try and swing a kettlebell with, around with
2: terrible form yeah <laughs> i'd watch it <laughs> no i take the point though i think make, trying to make it fun is, is a good one isn't it because like as you say that's probably one of the reasons why snc gets kind of cast aside is that it can be a bit like oh really you know
3: but also we know that we know what we can do as runners we know that we can go out and put one foot in front of the other and go and do some running and feel good at the end of it and feel like we're progressing because we've gone and added more miles as you say when you when you're training someone Lloyd. i mean this is very sort of like across the board very difficult to apply to one but are you because you talked about running more than 13.1 or more than like the race distance in the build-up would you is that that's Applicable to all? Is that your method or is it just like if you think that someone's capable?
4: No, it's not applicable for all. So, depending on what level of athlete you are, is going to depend on how far I would tell you to run or get to your longest long run. If you're a listener and you're listening now and you're working from a place where you've just completed couched 5K, for example, or even if your long run at the moment is six or seven miles, I wouldn't say in eight weeks you need to be working towards 15, 16 miles on the long run because you're to do that, you're going to have to crash course it. You know, you're going to have to rush the process. Again, go back to that that statement, stand on the start line and be confident you can run 13 miles. What does that mean for you? That may mean that in eight weeks, I need to work up to 12.5 miles because I know on race day, I can run another half mile. The crowd, you know, the occasion, the fact that it's a race, but some runners that are looking to really, uh, that have got real performance goals of running, you know, super fast times, They need to do the training that's going to enable them to do that. So if I've got a runner that wants to run 73 minutes, well, I need that runner to be running consistently over 90 minutes on his Sunday long run. And a runner at that speed is probably going to be running 13, 14 miles in that time. So it really depends on the type of runner. But again, it has to go back to those principles. Can I do this distance? Am I confident in running this distance? Not just the distance, but at a pace as well. If you're a runner standing on the start line and you know that you've got to run 13 miles, at a race pace, you need to be able to confidently say, "Well, I can run fifteen, sixteen, easy pace on a Sunday." It really depends on the runner, and that's why coaching is really beautiful because it's bespoke to bespoke to the person that we're dealing with. And
2: you mentioned before, Lloyd, about um, speed work and how you know perhaps it's not the, not the most appropriate term for half marathon pace work. What by that do you think is most of the sort of speed work or kind of quicker running that you prescribe would be tempo type running or shorter intervals um tell us a little bit how you'd sort of sprinkle that into a, a training program for a half
4: yeah so it's easy to get conflicted on speed work as i spoke about earlier don't get me wrong training for the half you re- you need to run fast you need to train fast you need to uh, incorporate some faster level of running because what i wouldn't want someone if this is this is before, there's a caveat to this as well there maybe listeners listening and actually saying i'm not looking to run a time i just want to finish So what I'm about to talk about is probably not applicable to you. If you're a runner that you just want to finish the distance, do you need to be doing interval sessions in the week to do that? No, you don't necessarily need to do that. But if you are a runner that wants to run a specific time and you want to physiologically improve and run faster, this is for you. Now, you will have a rough idea of what your race pace is going to be at the start of your training plan, which is 8, 12, 15, 16 weeks, whatever it may be. Consider that you are going to improve in that time. So you may not be in race pace shape today to run that at 13 miles, but over the period of that time, that's the aim, okay? Um, now, I would say that, again, depending on how many times a person is running per week and depending on the level of athlete they are, is going to depend on how much higher quality running you can do. And there's different ways that you can incorporate higher quality running. You can do interval workouts that are in and around 5K, 10K race pace for three, four, two, five-minute increments. You can do threshold runs of 15, 20 minutes that in and around your half marathon race pace, or you may be doing a slower tempo run that could be an hour long. They all are touching on energy systems that are going to benefit your half marathon race pace. But the one, one type of session that I think is really crucial to, to becoming, again, more efficient with that energy over that 13 miles is improving your lactate threshold. I think this is really, really important that you can it's really enjoyable as well to learn how to do this. But these are workouts that are demanding yes, but if you do them correctly, you are able to recover for your next training day and they won't put you in the bin every time compared to workouts where you're on the track doing intervals or you're smashing out you know, 90-second reps when you're on your hands and knees at the end of the session. Lactate threshold sessions, which may look like something of um, four times six minutes or 10, 12, 15 minutes straight or two by 10, three by 10 minutes. These are workouts that are more controlled in and around that half marathon race pace, effort or pace. And you're able to get to a point in the session where you are at a point, that lactate threshold, where you're at a point that you're not, you're saying to yourself, if I go faster, if I go harder, I'm probably going to overdo it here. I'm probably going to work a bit too hard, but I know I'm just on the cusp. Once you're at that cusp, that's your lactate threshold. That's where you know, okay, i know you know when you're at it okay and the only way of learning that that level and that cusp is by doing getting it wrong making mistakes and learning from it um but that is the energy system that is gonna 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 sort of um enable you to to develop further as a half marathon runner that's where you're on that brink um for 13.1 miles
2: that's great actually i i i I wasn't aware of um, the importance of lactate threshold when it comes to the half, so I think that's um, that's an interesting one. I can see myself doing three times ten around Crystal Palace Park. I could do a bit of that. I could do a bit of that.
4: The, the thing, the main thing is, is I spoke about I speak about control a lot. A c- control is really important for any type of training session or run or any element. But for, for, for threshold workouts or lactate threshold workouts, it's really important you control them because you said there that you can do three by ten minutes, which is great but the key is to not go too fast. You could do three by 10 minutes and smash it and be like, wow, running, running nearly 10K race pace there, but that's not, the aim. that's not the aim. The aim is we're training the lactate threshold. That's what we're training. And if you get it right, like I say, you can recover from it and go the next day or go two days later. If you could keep all of your training controlled and in a controlled environment, you can create a level of consistency. Think of it as stepping stones. You take three steps forward, one step to the side, three steps forward, one step to the side, and that, and I use that analogy of training up for three weeks and then having an easy week. We're never taking steps backwards. But if you keep it controlled, you're always moving forwards gradually.
3: When you were doing athletics, are you sort of bring in some principles from there into what you're doing, you know, the short, sharp stuff. Is that sort of is it just very much, you know, the race distance itself dictates what you're aiming for?
4: Yeah, the race the race for me, the race distance will dictate the type of work that I'm doing, but as a long-distance runner, um, and from, from my philosophy from the coaches that I've worked with, I will always have, always have a consideration for the aerobic side of training. So a lot of my training, whether I'm training for the 1500 metres or the half marathon, will always have a consideration for aerobic training. So there will be a lot of low-intensity running or training. And when I speak low-intensity training is the term, because for me, a lot of that now is on the cross trainer because I'm older, I need to manage my... Um, body a little bit better and I break down a lot faster but for some people that may just be running or swimming or cycling whatever it may be Um, so a lot the bulk of my training is lower intense um, intensity you know we've all heard about 80 20 theory generally that is the um, philosophy that I've come from Um, and that 20% or so probably for me now is even less than 20% it's more like 15% that may be one or two higher quality days. And that could look like um, a hard, short, sharp workout on the track on a Tuesday and then a slower threshold, tempo e run slash session later in the week. Um, But earlier in that question, when I was chatting about some runners that are maybe listening, that maybe haven't done interval sessions before, have no idea what lactate threshold even means, or are really even interested in doing that right now, but still, would like to complete the distance and push themselves, one way of doing that via higher quality is, is the following. And I think this is a really enjoyable way. And it's a real good confidence boosted session is that you will have a long run, likely to have a long run in your training week. And every second or third week, what you can do is you can incorporate some higher quality into that run. And That could be in the form of sort of half marathon race pace effort or actual pace. And there's really two ways that I like to do it. You can either do it at the end of a run or you can do within it. And it really depends on what you enjoy more and what is more specific to what you're aiming for. But the first, for example, could look like three weeks out from your half marathon. You may have a 13 mile run. This is it. 13 miles. As soon as I finish this, I know I can do it on race day. Then two weeks out, you may have another 13-mile run, but we're going to go nine miles easy. Then we're going to go four miles at half mile from race pace. So there's two challenges here. First one is to make sure that the first nine miles are controlled and slower. That That's a difficult challenge for some people. The second challenge is that, well, now we're already in a fatigued state. I've run nine miles. That's difficult for any runner. Now you're asking me to work harder and work at a pace that is something I want to sort of mimic on race day. That is mimicking the environment on race day and making it super specific to the race whilst also training your body to run at race pace whilst fatigued that's like a banging session and you can do that with different distances you could do seven miles easy three miles at half marathon race pace or you know play around with the distance as you work your way towards your race the second way of doing it is again half marathon race pace but incorporating it within the run so we may run say you've got uh, a long run that's. Say 90 minutes long at that point in your training plan, you may run 30 minutes easy. So again, he's just nice, nice and chilled, running with your friends or, or whatever it may be. Then we'll do some half marathon race pace efforts. Now, different to an interval session, we're not going to walk or jog for recovery. We're going to keep it rolling. So we'll do 10 by two minutes at half marathon race pace. Sounds doable, right? It's only two minutes at half marathon race pace. We're going to take two minutes recovery, but we're going to keep the recovery at that easy pace. So we're going to go two minutes on at half pace, two minutes easy. 10 times. Now, the hard bit is holding back on the two minutes on so that you're able to maintain the two minutes recovery easy pace. So, that middle section uh, of 10 by two on, two off um, is going to be considerably faster on average than that first 30 minutes. Finish off with 20 minutes easy, 90 minutes done. You're going to find that your long run was considerably faster than if you went 90 minutes easy. We've incorporated um, some good half marathon work there, but also. Train your body and your mind to hold back, and again use your energy efficiently. That's the that's really key. Just two, there's two ways there. You know, there's two ways to play around after running in the long run.
2: You mentioned Lloyd about um the eighty twenty method. um I don't want to go into too much detail on this because it's probably worth its own episode. But as you say, that's sort of that's kind of eighty roughly in the eighty percent of your training roughly in the easy zone, twenty percent in the hard zone. One, I know that one of it's a big Google search. Is eighty twenty on low mileage? And I wonder if if someone was thinking about doing a half marathon on low mileage. And let's say let's say that's less than twenty five miles a week, just for this purpose. Does would you say that the eighty twenty method holds in a in a low mileage um, world? Or actually, if you're going to do a lot less running, does does more of that need to be quality?
4: I would say. Keep it specific to the goal. So if your goal is, and I'm not diverting this question because it's a great question, but when when we do talk about lower mileage, it does make, it or it can make 80-20 more difficult because if we're training for a half marathon and you're running uh, 25 miles a week, 20% of that high intensity is not a massive amount of running. So we need to think what is most specific to my race and the goal that I want to achieve. So 25 miles, you're probably running three slash four runs a week for me i would say that the most specific thing is going to be your long run that's going to be the most specific thing to your environment and again we have to stand on the start line know that we can complete the distance so ensure that that long run is your holy grail of the week everything around that facilitates that you nail that long run every week so that could mean that you do a short workout at the start of the week which Works on your lactate threshold or maybe even a little bit faster running. Um, you have a, a short 30 minute run on a Thursday. You jump on the cross trainer on a Saturday, which is a nice, easy aerobic 30 minutes. And then we nail a long run of nine, 10 miles on the Sunday. And we're building that distance week on week. You are still incorporating that 80 20 theory because you've got your lower intense work, but you're also um, keeping it specific to the goal that you're training for by ensuring that you're doing your higher work in the start of the week. and in your long run at the end of the week and if you do work to lower miles your long run is going to be the bulk of that but ultimately if you control your long run it can be low intense you can be a, you can have an easy long run. you know it's demand it's demanding because you're out there for a long time but if you keep the pace slow you can keep that at low intensity and it can it can make up some of that 80 um And I mentioned about cross-training. Cross-training can be a real good um, sort of sandwich filler for someone that is lower mileage. Um, I've had runners that have run super fast times over half a marathons off seriously low mileage. And if some people look at the mileage that are running, it's almost like, how the hell did they manage that? Two things. One, we had a chat about the goal they wanted to achieve. And realistically, if you've got this goal, this is how much you're probably going to need to do. Is that achievable? Yes or no? No, okay. Are you able to cross train and, and supplement some of that, some of those running miles? Yes. Okay. Well, what does that look like? Does it mean that we go easy on the cross trainer? Do we do some workouts on the cross trainer? You know, ultimately, you can still you can you can replicate running in different ways, um, but it's got to be unique to you and your goal. And it's really important that you don't get caught into and sucked into a mindset and a place where it's like, right, I want to run 90 minutes for the half marathon. Okay, Google, how do I run a 90 minute half marathon? these people are running five times a week with two hard sessions. I need to do that. Well, no, you don't. You might not need to do that. You know, there's more than one way to peel an onion. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah.
3: Um, Lloyd, if anyone wants to find out more about your coaching and all that sort of stuff, where should they head to?
4: Just Google Team Project Run and uh, click the top one.
3: So easy easy as that (laughs) Um, Lloyd thanks so much for joining us on the podcast chatting us through half marathon training and uh, yeah some great advice there
4: yeah no worries thanks so much for having me and best of luck September
2: so that brings us to the end of this week's Run As Well podcast thanks very much to our guest Lloyd Kempson and to you of course for listening uh, you can subscribe to Runners
3: World Magazine by going on the internet and Googling Runners World Magazine UK subscription. You should do that. 12 episodes, 12 episodes, 12 issues a year of running goodness <laughs> delivered straight to your front door. Um, head over to runnersworld.com slash UK for all the your running needs really just pretty much everything that you'd ever want to know about training nutrition gear the latest bits and bobs all that sort of stuff that's all there on the internet um and then you should subscribe to this podcast which you probably do already hopefully and yeah tell everyone else who's are starting to run that they should listen to this podcast too it's probably a good thing to do isn't it yeah that's it all right so you'll hear from us again next week bye-bye
1: small details are big surfaces